0: Praise the Lord. Good morning. First of all, I want to uh, thank—is Rick in here? All right, let him in here. I want to thank him for his work this week. Hallelujah. (laughs) What's that? Yeah, I'm glowing. That's the second thing I'm going to get to. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's taking him a while. Here we go. All right. Rick, I just want to thank you real quick. Give Rick a hand this morning for doing so much work around here. He probably doesn't want me to do it, so I'll do it anyway, right? Uh, but I appreciate all the work in the kitchen last week and all the last couple of weeks and everything. Uh, volunteering his time and his tools and, uh, to the church here. How many appreciate that? And, um, and I also want to thank, uh, Curtis for helping on the platform here. Uh, how many notice we have new lights on the platform? And so I want to thank, uh, both, uh, for being here the last couple of weeks and, uh, doing lots of work around here. And so I just want to give honor where honor is due. Hallelujah. How many know that's important? And uh, so, if you get a chance, thank them both for the hard work that they've provided in the building. And there's so many I can't recognize everybody, but I just appreciate everything that they've done in here. Um, hallelujah! If you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter one, verse forty-seven. <clears throat> John chapter one, verse forty-seven. The title of my message is "Open Heaven." Open heaven. How many would love to see heaven open up and just be able to look in there and see what's happening up there? You say, well, that's impossible. But uh that's what this message is about, you know, heaven opening up and actually seeing a picture of it. What's it look like? And uh pay close attention because um, I believe God's provided that opportunity for us. How many think that it would change the way you live your life if you had an open heaven you know if you could see God if you could see um, angels ministering and just open heaven I want you to start uh can we use our imagination do we have imaginations in here this morning and so let's start using our imagination because I think we need a picture of heaven um, we got too much earth don't we we got too much news, morning news, evening news, afternoon news, um, too much cell phone, too much everything going on in the world around us. How many think that we need a glimpse of heaven regularly (laughs) to see what God's doing and not what's happening around us? Because God's ultimately the one in control. How many know that? Hallelujah. So it says in John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 47, it says, When Jesus... Saul Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, "Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or no guile." Some versions say. Now listen to his response. It's a strange response. How do you know me? You may have ever had someone come up who was familiar with you, and you're like, "I don't mean to be rude, but how do you know me?" This is what's happening here. Nathanael's startled that he knows him. He said something in that previous verse that tells Nathaniel it kind of creeps him out a little bit. How do you know me, right? How hey, do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. This is a big deal. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Do you understand how quickly Nathanael went from, how do you know me? I'm kind of creeped out to you are the, you are the king of Israel. You are the son of God. You know, that's a quick transition, isn't it? How do you know these things about me? And you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Then he goes on and he says, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see what? Heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on what? The son of man. <laughs> Jesus is talking about himself. You're going to see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on me. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray today, Lord, give us a revelation of your word, Lord. Lord, reveal this picture of who you are, Lord Jesus. And let us see it clearly and let us appreciate it and let us uh, uh, walk in it, Lord, that we can see the same things you promised to Nathaniel, Lord, and open heaven, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever experienced a visitation from heaven? Have you ever had a time that you've experienced a heavenly visit? Have you ever felt or sensed the divine presence of God in your midst. And some of you here can say, yeah, I've felt that before. You know, maybe it was during a worship service. Maybe it was during a time of uh, just sitting and praying. But there are times you literally feel like, man, God just spoke to me. How many have ever had that happen? You say, man, I feel like God's telling me this, or I feel like that was divine inspiration that 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 came to me and and that was something that god was doing and so there are times in life and the more you grow in your faith you begin to see these times where you feel like man you know what i'm connecting with heaven here and the more mature you get in the lord the more you grow in his word the more often you feel those moments where uh, you're reading the Word of God. How many have ever read the Word of God and you don't know what happened, but something in that verse, just like, man, I felt that kind of in my spirit. I could feel God was speaking that directly to me. And you could feel the ministry of the Word. Or you were praying, and when you were praying, you could just sense that God was saying, hey, It's okay or hey this is what i'm doing or you know don't worry because this is who i am and these are all ministry of the word ministry of the spirit how many of you recognize that some it takes a while to recognize that that the word uh, ministers to you and god ministers through the word and god ministers through the spirit and god how many know that god has angelic messengers in fact the bible says that the angels were created you say, well, why they, where were they created? They were to serve the inheritors of righteousness, the Bible says. That's uh, those who are going to inherit eternal life. They were actually created to serve us. They're messengers, the Bible says, going to and from God's throne to serve us. Oh, that'll get you excited. Hallelujah, all those angels... Jesus said he could have bought, brought tens of thousands of angels to rescue him at any moment and they're there to serve the inheritors of righteousness. Hallelujah. We got a lot of resources church. Hallelujah. So I want to show you a very unusual dream. I'm going to come back to John chapter 1, but I'm going to go back about 17, 1800 BC, this is way back in Genesis, right? And how many remember back in Genesis, very early on, uh, in Genesis chapter 11, there was the Tower of Babel. How many remember this? And at the Tower of Babel, you had an entire wicked world that basically said that we don't want to retain God in our knowledge. Uh, we actually want to take heaven by force. We want to do it with our own hands. We want to build a building that reaches into heaven. And all of the wicked gathered together in one place, and they tried to build a building that would reach into heaven. And God said, uh, yeah, that's not going to work. There's no way a human effort can ever reach heaven. There's no way that by your human efforts, by your human standards, by your hands, can you ever reach God. And God destroyed the whole thing and they wanted to somehow reach heaven without God and somehow reach heaven without a son. And you say, well, what's that have to do with this story you're about to read? Well, in Genesis chapter 28, God takes the focus off Babel. He goes through the first 11 chapters and then he starts to focus on a family. And it's almost as if God, from chapters 12 of Genesis all the way to chapter 50, God now focuses on this family. And it's almost like God is saying, I'm going to show you how you're supposed to reach God. And so he spends 38 chapters talking about a family, and he spent 11 chapters talking about the creation of the world and the five major events that happened up until the Tower of Babel. And God begins to reveal himself, in fact, not only uh, with Abraham, but even from the Garden of Eden. How many know that God is giving pictures of what his son is going to be like? So in Genesis, uh, most all commentators agree uh, that it was probably the person of the Messiah that walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Man falls right? They sin and they fall. And the Bible says that um, God begins to give a prophecy, the first one in the Bible, about what his son is going to be like. It says he's going to be born of the seed of a woman and he's going to crush the serpent. And he's the one that's going to restore. And so you begin to see messianic prophecies and God starts to give word pictures. And so God comes in and most believe this is also a messianic reference, And there is a lamb that is actually slain to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. And a garment is put on them from the lamb. The fig leaves weren't enough. And it was saying that this is a picture of Christ when he's going to come based on that prophecy from the seed of a woman. And he is going to not only cover your sins, but he's going to wash it away. And so we begin to see these pictures and so, uh, in Genesis 28, this is Abraham's grandson, Jacob, and this is where I need your imagination a little bit. I want you to listen to what he's saying, and then we're just going to think about this story. Alright? It says, Jacob left Beersheba. This is uh, Genesis 28.10. Jacob left Beersheba, and he set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place... He stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep or rest. Okay. Something significant here about this stone. Why do you even mention it? But he lays his head on this rock and he just rests. And Jacob, how many know that Jacob becomes Israel? This is kind of showing... Almost a prophetic pattern of what Israel's going to do. So Jacob finally rests his head, goes into a, lays his head down to sleep, and he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. While wow, God's beginning to reveal what heaven is like here. Right? You picturing this in your mind? Well, what's the stairway or the ladder look like? It says the angels, plural, of God were ascending and descending on it. I don't know how big it has to be, but there are multiple angels going up and down the stairway. The bottom is on the earth, the top is in heaven. Sometimes we picture this like a little ladder, right? Or a little staircase. What is he seeing here? And it says, they were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I will watch you over you. And wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. Yeah. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. The gate, this is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel or Bethel through the city, through the city, though the city was used to being called Luz. So I want you to think about this now and use your imagination. What do you think it looked like? I mean, how big and massive? I don't know. I mean, it could have been small. Could have been massive. But just imagine this is you and not a Bible story. It's a dream. But the dream was so vivid and it was recorded for a purpose but just imagine you're in the wilderness. Now let me give you a little bit of background to the story. Jacob in this time in his life has been a very wretched person. He's lied. He's deceived. He's done everything in his own effort to gain the blessing of God. I mean, he's cheated people, you know, lied to people, wasn't a very um, liked person really. And the reason I say that is because the reason he's in the wilderness is his mom, who was involved in a lot of his manipulation, sent him to the wilderness to go away because as soon as his brother figured out that he double-crossed him, he was going to kill him. you got to do something pretty bad for your brother to want to kill you. Right? And so he's in the middle of a wilderness... He's going to a land that his mother sent him to go find a wife and to run from Esau. Things aren't going well in his life. All of his human efforts to reach God were all just that, human efforts to reach God. And so here he is in the middle of the wilderness running for his life, in the middle of nowhere, lays his head and finally just rests on the rock. And God begins to reveal himself. Now, this is a lot different than Babylon. Babylon was trying to reach into heaven by human hands and human efforts, and it wasn't too uh, far beyond this. In fact, Abraham probably was a contemporary of Nimrod. And so it wasn't too many generations removed from Babylon, and I think God is trying to compare the two. He's saying they tried with all the entire world in one place to reach heaven, and they couldn't do it. They gave the greatest human effort to reach God without doing it my way. Jacob spent his whole life trying to reach God and not do it my way. And God's saying, hey, let me show you how easy it is. And he has this dream. And man, just, just close your eyes and think about it. What did this look like? Use your best imagination. A stairway or a ladder touching the earth. I want you to picture that. Maybe your backyard, maybe somewhere out in the open field. What does this dream look like? How big does a staircase have to be to reach from earth all the way to heaven? I mean, we haven't even heard a lot of teaching on heaven yet. And you can see up that stairway. How many have ever looked at the clouds and you looked at the plains and you see how high the heavens are? He's literally seeing a staircase that goes from the earth all the way to heaven and he sees the Lord at the top of the staircase. Heaven opens and there's the Lord. And dispatching from the Lord is angels, plural, up and down. They're ascending. I mean, they're walking up the staircase, and they're descending, going down. And it sounds like they're all doing it at the same time. Some are going, some are coming. So God is dispatching them. God's like sending them up and down, and heaven is ministering to earth. There's this communication between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth is connected. Think about this. This is a groundbreaking dream. Heaven and earth is connected Angels are ministering. And theres I don't know that... Let me think that maybe Jacob didn't fully understand what was going on there. I mean, it changed his life because heaven was open. Wouldn't it change your life if you had that kind of a vision, that big of a vision of heaven just being open and I can see the Lord and angels ascending and descending? And then... Heaven is open. And so, Jacob begins to understand that, hey... How many you know this is a revelation of God? He's revealing himself uh, to Jacob. And he's saying, hey, I am the God that talked to your father and your grandfather. And I'm the one that gave them promises. And by the way, he was at the same location where Abraham in chapter 12... Built an altar and had a similar meeting with God, and similar promises. And he says, "I haven't forgot about your family. Here's the promises." Um, How many think it's important that God reveals Himself to each person? Here's what's happening in the story. God's beginning to say there is a stairwell. If you want to call it that, you can call it a portal, if you'd rather, if you like to be mysterious, or you call it a ladder. But there is an open heaven somewhere. we got to figure out where this location is at in the Middle East, right? And God will reveal Himself to you. He'll say, I am the One. Who? And how many have ever had this revelation of God? Where you're reading the Word and you're saying, wait a minute. He's what? You are Who? I mean, have ever read the Word and, man, you're just getting this revelation of who God is? And then after you get a revelation of who God is, then he begins to say, hey, just don't worry. Jacob, I'm going to take care of you. Well, you say, well, that probably didn't mean very much to him. He's running for his life. (laughs) He thinks he may not live very much longer because I think he genuinely fears Esau. Esau was a great hunter. He was a man's man, and Jacob had said, "Like to stay in the tent." I mean, you know that. (laughs) He was mom's boy. Uh, Esau was daddy's boy. He was the great hunter, and Jacob was just cooked really well. (laughs) And so God, um, He's saying, "Hey, it's okay. You can trust me with your life. You can trust me to provide for you. It's going to be okay for you and your family." And How many know when God reveals who He is, then you have to have some kind of connection with heaven where God says, um, you can trust me? How many have ever done that? You read the Word and you said, man, you know, my sins. Lord, you know all the things I've done. You know all the regrets I have. You know all the, all the guilt that I have. Lord, you know my finances. You know, how many know the things that you stay up at night and just look at the ceiling and think about? And at some point, God's got to show you, here's who I am. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. You don't have to have anxiety. And you say, well, I don't have a plan. I don't have an ability. I don't have, I can't change the situation. You need God to meet with you. And say, it's still gonna be okay. You don't have to have a plan because I'm, I am who I am. And so Jacob is actually getting this revelation that I can trust God. I don't have to do it with my own effort. How many know, how many have ever had that revelation that, man, I've tried my whole life. I've strived my whole life. I've tried to be this. I've tried to be that. And God just needs you to lay your head on the rock and rest. Rest. You say, "Well, what does that feel like?" It feels like when you worked all day and you're worn out, and you lay down, and you're just like, "Ah, oh, finally." Or you ever been at work and you worked all day out in the hot sun, and you're sweating, and you're, you know, you're worn out, and you just sit down, and there's a cold drink. God just wants us to rest in who He is. Lay your head on the rock, which is Christ. I think it's symbolic. I think there's a reason they mention that Israel finally laid his head down and rested. And just let God reveal who he is. And you say, well, who is he? He's got to reveal that to you. I can tell you all the adjectives. I can tell you all the things that he describes himself as. I can tell you all the names that he is the provider. He is the healer. He is the one who... Uh, has peace that the world can't give. I can tell you all those things, but, but it won't do any good because He's got to reveal it to you. You've got to find this uh, stairway where heaven opens and you see the Father and He begins to minister to you through the ministry of angels and the supernatural and God just saying, God will take a word that you read in the Bible and that angel will walk down that staircase and just say, "Here, this is from the Lord." And you'll say, "Well, I didn't see him." Well, he said, "I wasn't aware." It was an angel, and it was unaware. And how I many have you ever felt that? It feels like, man, God just supernaturally put that in my spirit. God supernaturally, and so, we, man, we've got to find this place because Jacob had a reaction. He said, "This place is awesome." Literally, my translation says awesome. So he stops and he was afraid. He said, this place is awesome. He said, this right here is the house of God. And he called it Beth El, which means El, God, and then Beth, house. He said, this is the house of God. And he right there anointed it and said, this is where i seen God. This is where that staircase or that ladder or that portal is. And church, we've got a man, we've got to figure out where that place is and go see it. Right? we got to go over there in the Middle East. And it's really interesting because this particular place, Jesus just finished getting baptized in the Jordan. Right? It says that Beth Barah beyond the Jordan in John chapter 1. That place is the exact place where the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land. he's saying, I am the promised land. You'll find it in me. This is where you cross over from death into life. This is where you acquire what I promised you in me. And he gets baptized in the very place where they cross over. Then as you cross over, you run into Jericho, Ai, and Bethel. It's right there. So where John is preaching is the exact location where they crossed over and Bethel was right there. How many know that when children of Israel came into the promised land, Bethel was the place where the ark rested? Stayed there for a long time. It's the first place in the promised land. The ark of the covenant represented the presence of God and it rested on Bethel, the house of God. So now we really got to find this place in the Middle East. I think we ought to take a trip. What do you guys think? Everybody's up for it. Luke's on. Yeah, he's a he road trip with me. All right, we may not be able to do that. But let's find the place. So where is this place at? I'm going to fast forward now 1,800 years. John chapter 1, verse 43 we're going to unravel the mystery of Nathaniel. So I'm going to start in verse 43. It says, The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So He's leaving the place where John baptized and heading north toward Galilee. And it says, Finding Philip, He said to him, Follow Me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, were from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathanael said? <laughs> he's, not, he's not really high on this Jesus. <laughs> he's saying, is anything good ever came from Nazareth? And so he's a little skeptical. Can't you kind of see it in his words? Boy, he changes tune fast. It says, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, he truly, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And then Nathanael asked, how do you know me? So what in those words caused Nathanael to be freaked out? There were parentheses there would say Nathanael is freaked out. Right here. How many can see that? It's uh it's ins- um it's insinuated there that he can't figure out how Jesus knows him, right? It's very likely that Jesus passed through this area, and most commentators believe that Nathaniel was probably studying the account of Jacob. Jacob laying on the stone, Jacob um reading the passage, because whatever happened, Jacob was a man that had deceit in him. He had much guile. In fact, he is uh, kind of the opposite of what he just said about Nathaniel. And he said, hey, look, you're a real Israelite, and you have no guile in you. And so whatever it was, it was something that was reading Nathaniel's mind because that's why he stopped and he said, how do you know me? He knew something. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Nathaniel wrote something on a piece of paper. Maybe he read something. We can only speculate, but what Jesus said, how many can see there, probably read his mind. And then Jesus goes on even further. And he said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So Jesus was in a different place and wasn't even around the area Nathaniel was at, and evidently nobody would have known Nathaniel was thinking these thoughts that Jesus just revealed. And Jesus said, "I know where you were at when you were thinking that." I didn't know he's prophesying what was in his heart, and he said, "I seen you under the fig tree." And he says, "Rabbi, this is the only way you can explain why he says he goes from what." good can come from that area that jesus is from to you are the son of god you are the king of israel and you see that he changed re- really dramatically because i read your mind and i knew exactly where you were sitting when philip came and got you even though he was alone probably nobody was around nobody knew he was there jesus said i seen you and i knew what you were thinking i mean would, that would kind of elicit a major reaction from you Then he says, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You believe because I miraculously told you what you were doing and what you were thinking. He said, but you will see greater things than that. He then added, verily, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven, what? Open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So there's only two places in the Bible where that ladder or that staircase is mentioned and the angels are ascending and descending. This is a very definite reference to the story in Genesis where Jacob sees this massive structure that goes from heaven to earth and there's a ladder or a staircase, whatever it is, and Jesus is saying they're no longer ascending on the ladder. That was just a word picture They're ascending on me. I am the ladder. I am the staircase. I am the one when heaven is open. It's me that is going to allow you to see into heaven. It's me that the angels will descend and ascend and will minister to you. Because I am Jacob's staircase. Oh boy, you didn't hear what I said. We don't have to go to the Middle East. Hallelujah, we don't have to go to the Middle East. To have a open heaven. We don't have to find Bethel because Bethel is Jesus Christ. It's not a place. It's a person. That was a word picture of a person who's going to have heaven open. And he said, I am going to connect heaven and earth. And right there is heaven and right there is the Lord. And you're going to be able to see the Lord because of me. And angels are going to ascend and ascend. But you, wait a minute. You said that they're there to serve the inheritors of righteousness. Bingo. Because of Jesus Christ, what did we inherit? We inherited heaven. We inherited the resources of heaven. We inherited a large amount of angels. And so Jesus Christ himself, there's no man between God and heaven. There's no intermediate in between. There's no priest in between. Uh, In fact, Hebrews said that he abolished that and he became the mediator. He was the one that connected heaven and earth. You say, well, what do I need to do? Do I need to build this staircase? Oh, you're not getting it. Do I need to go to church so many times? Do I need to have so many good works? Do I need to be a better person? Do I need to have my good deeds outweigh my bad? Do I need to work? I'm a worker, Chad. You don't understand I'm a worker. Well, Jacob was too. You'll relate really well to him. He tried his whole life to find the blessing of God and couldn't find it. And Jesus said, it's because it's only found in me. I've already built it. You don't need the one Nimrods is destroyed. They couldn't reach heaven. They had the whole world working on that building project. And it failed. They couldn't reach God. And he's saying, here's how you reach God. It's already built. And Jesus saying, yeah, that's me. Boy, isn't that an awesome word picture? John started off really well in his book, didn't he? He said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. All things were created by Him. Through Him, everything was made. Without Him, not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, the life was the light of men, the light shined in darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. How many know John is giving all kinds of word pictures of who Jesus is? He's saying He was the Word from the beginning, He was in the beginning, the whole earth was created through Him. And he's saying we beheld His glory. Wow, if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father, he says. And so, wow, we still got to figure out where this Bethel is. Jesus in John chapter 14, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, listen very carefully. My Father's house, everybody say, my Father's house. It has many rooms or many places. Many places for us to stay in the Father's house, right? If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come back and take you to be with me So you can also be where I am. You know the way. What did he just say? You know the way. To the place where I'm going. Boy church we better figure out how to get there. He says that people that know him know the way. I better start working on some geography here so we can find Bethel, right? The staircase. The staircase is the only way to get there. How many know there's no other way to get there except this staircase, which is Jesus Christ? He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Then he also says, you know the way. I'm preparing it. There's many rooms there. And so I got curious, man, i got to know what this word rooms means. How many think that's an important word there? It says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. If I'm going to be there, guess what I have to have? A room. I have to have some space there in heaven, and i got to know the way to get there. This word rooms is only used twice in the New Testament. And how many know the other place that it's used is in John chapter 14? The same chapter. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And then in John 14, 23, Jesus replied... He said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Same word that's used in the room that Jesus is preparing. Did you hear that? Jesus says, my father will love them and we. Who's we? Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we will make our home where? With you. Church, we got to put all this together. Jesus is the only way, right? He is the staircase. There is an open heaven. There are angels ministering back and forth to those who know where it's at. Right? From the throne of God, they're sending messages back and forth from God. There's divine uh, revelation coming from God here. He's trying to tell you uh, it's going to be okay. He's trying to tell you you can trust me. He's trying to tell you who He is. He's trying to reveal Himself. Right? And the Bible is saying that He's preparing a place and you know the way. And what God is saying is there is a portal right in here. There's a stairway where there's an open heaven, and it's only through Jesus Christ. And He's telling you this morning, church, you have the privilege to know Him. You have the privilege to have heaven open. You have a privilege to get a glimpse of the Father in heaven through your spirit. How many of you know your prayer life is bigger than you thought it was? How many know that your reading of the Word is bigger than you thought it was? How many know that there's a place in here when you worship God through the Spirit? You worship God through the Word of God. How many know God is literally opening up heaven and ministering to your Spirit, church? Hallelujah. But here's the sad thing. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. How many know? that even though God has opened up heaven, it's only for a time. Revelation, as you begin to read it, it says, Behold. And how many know that that door of opportunity is going to shut and heaven will no longer be open? You say, well, there's got to be another way. How many have ever been somewhere and the staircase is blocked off? How many of you have ever tried to go down a road locally and it's detoured? Well this is one that only has one entrance, one one way to access heaven. And how many know that when we die that hope is gone forever? That hope's gone forever. You say, Well man, I'll be able to control how I die. I'll be able to control my reaction to how I die. Church, can I tell you, there's, this is an amazing dream, and it will never become a reality if you wait while the opportunity is there, if you don't have access to God. Know God. Know the way. In fact, I want to know the way. I want to regularly be on that staircase. I want to be regularly on that ladder that Jacob's seen, and I want to be regularly interacting with God. I want to be regularly being ministered by the Word, ministered by the Spirit. How many know we can spend so much time on there, we'll know it. We'll know the way. We'll know the way to God. We'll know the way to heaven. He says, you'll know the way. How many know this, church? We've got to know this portal into heaven. We've got to live in it. We've got to walk in it. We've got to be um, always going to it. You say, well, why do we worship so long? why do we worship so long? Some people say, I didn't think it was that long. I'm just getting into it. Can I tell you something about worship? Uh, How many have ever been to a ball game? And how many know ball games have emotions? Now, if you watch me at a ball game, I sit way up in the corner, and I'm quiet. I don't say much. Uh, when they're going go fight win, I'm not going go fight win. I'm just watching. I'm quiet. I don't say much. But I'm enjoying that game as much as anybody. I'm here like that. Let I me mean, know oh, the person next to you literally will not shut up. They yell the entire time And they're not just doing that. How many know that's their personality? Uh, Some are very emotional. Some are less emotional. And we come into worship and we don't expect to see the same thing. Some people are more emotional when they worship. Some are quiet when they worship. The fact is, we've got to worship. If we just close our eyes, if we raise our hands, uh, if we're a little bit emotional. How many know that all those things are just different personalities Entering into the presence of God. And how many know during worship, literally, you'll have visitations from God's messengers just saying, hey, remember that word? Or you know that thing you're going through? Or you know that anxiety you have? Or you know that worry you have? Or you know that thing you said that you need to deal with and you've messed up? How many know? How many have experienced all these things in church? We need an open heaven in church. We need an open heaven. That's why we need to worship. That's why you need to worship. That's why you need to find how you worship. You say, well, man, I'm not comfortable closing my eyes. Well, just try it. Or maybe you feel comfortable just quietly doing it. And how many know some people are getting as much out of that as the one who's outwardly emotional? But we've got to connect with that stairway where heaven opens and ministering angels can minister our spirits. The Holy Spirit can begin to do things in this church and in this church. And How many want an open heaven? I want to come into church and I want to find that place. It's not over in the Middle East. It's wherever we're at. And we need to find that at open heaven because God's provided a way through Jesus Christ to experience the Father, to experience His love, to experience His words, to experience the Holy Spirit in a profound ways. How many know we weren't just left here on our own. God is preparing a place. And he said when you uh, love the Father. He said we will come and dwell in that place. How many want to be a place where they decide they want to come dwell? <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what we're trying to do every time. Church we're going to come together. And we're going to take our time in worship. How many think that's important? we got to be committed as a body to that. We're going to take our time. And let people worship the Lord in the way that God is leading them to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. We're not going to rush it. Uh, we're going to take time to pray for one another. How many know that? As we pray for one another, how many know that's another time where heaven opens and you come forward and you say, man, I need prayer today. Don't wait for us to say it. Come up to this altar. Let's gather around you as brothers and sisters. How many have ever been there where you needed prayer? Let's not... uh be a church that it's, we're afraid of the altars. You know, if you need prayer, we've all been there. Let's all gather together and pray for somebody. You say, well, I don't want to do it during church. Well, let's do it when everybody leaves. Okay, when we're going to uh, have the Word, how many know the Word is open heaven? When we minister the Word, that's God's messenger literally bringing a Word to you back and forth. They're ascending, they're descending. I've been sitting on that ladder all night looking for a Word. You know, waiting for God. Hey, give me that word, Lord. I want to deliver it. I want to be your messenger today. How many recognize an open heaven? God wants to minister to all of us. Hallelujah. All right. If you would stand to your feet, worship team. <clears throat> I want to take a few moments this morning. Hallelujah. I want to take a few moments this morning just to explain communion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do I have a worship team? Okay, there he is. Okay, I was looking for him. Alright, you can do it. Alright, I just started, uh, I think every once in a while it's really important to, uh, um, explain communion. We do it on the first Sunday of every month. And, uh, how many know the who, um, the what, the why, and the how of, uh, communion? And I just want to take some time to explain that. Number one, uh, what is the who of communion? I want you to think about that for a minute. Who decided we should take communion? As we begin to think about this. Hallelujah. Church, we're committed to an open heaven. And one of those things is understanding communion. And so I just felt led as I was preparing this message. is just, uh, In fact, have a seat. We'll have a seat right now. Just really thinking about what we're doing here. Hallelujah. Very important. The who. Jesus Christ is the who. In fact, the night that He was betrayed, the night before His crucifixion, in fact, the reason I'm explaining this is because there's been so much division over the Lord's Supper and there's been so much... Possessiveness to the Lord's Supper that sometimes we don't even think about what we're doing. And so Jesus, on the night that he was being betrayed, the night before his crucifixion, gathered the uh, disciples together and um, he just simply said, uh, Do this, and here's where you get your why. Do this in remembrance of me. And so a lot of people say, well, did Jesus exist? Was Jesus real? Well, how many know that when he instituted communion, we've been doing it ever since that night. Isn't that amazing to think about? You want existence and proof that Jesus Christ existed, that's a pretty good one. There's never been a moment since he said, do this in remembrance of me, where the world hasn't remembered him. And you say, well, what are we trying to remember? Have you thought about it? Yeah, I remember His name. He was in the Bible. No, he's very specific. What are we trying to remember? The what? Jesus was celebrating the Passover. This was the Passover feast. Jesus was about, in fact, John chapter 1 says, Behold the Lamb of God. And he's pointing out that, hey, this is the one that from the very beginning, God promised to send his lamb to cover our sins and wash them away. Well, the Passover lamb was very specific. How many know that when you killed the Passover lamb, you put its blood over your doorpost, and rather than receiving judgment, God was going to pass over? Mm, You guys didn't hear me. What are we remembering? The Bible says that that Passover lamb, the communion is remembering that God's lamb, the only one that He sent, the only one that will wash your sins, the only one that will cause God to pass over you when judgment comes, He's that lamb. And so as we take communion, we're remembering That the blood of Jesus Christ is being shed upon our doorposts of our heart. Hmm. You guys, if if I don't take communion, if I don't serve communion to this church, you should be asking me, (laughs) why? How many know that is the remembrance that Jesus Christ died for you and I am a believer? And the doorpost of my heart is being covered with the blood of God's Lamb. Hallelujah. And so as we look at it, He he also... Why should I have taken notes? (laughs) Um, Then He also talks about how. And how many know He doesn't give a definite time frame? He just says, as often as you meet. And so it varies sometimes. And how many know that here we have an open communion policy? If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, we invite you to the Lord's table. And uh, we invite you um, to trust in Jesus Christ. How many know that uh, this is the only stairway that actually goes to an open heaven? And so today as we celebrate, I'm going to invite you to come up and take the elements. And then we're going to pray over it. And then we're just going to worship and thank the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you know it's important to recognize that Jesus is that Lamb? We need to remember it. And we need to celebrate the fact that we have an open heaven. Sometimes we don't realize it. How many have ever went to the Word of God and you felt undeserving? You felt, cond- you felt like you were condemned. And God's saying, no, I don't want you. I've already built it. I've already done all the work. God wants you to just trust in Jesus Christ. Keep it simple, church. Keep it simple. Trust in Jesus Christ. Go home and believe that God is going to open up heaven. God is going to minister to you through that word. God's going to minister to you through that spirit. And so today, in that spirit, I just want to take communion together. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, we invite you to take communion with us. But if you haven't, the Bible says take upon yourself the judgment because the blood is not applied to your heart and so i would warn you if you haven't trusted in jesus christ don't but if you have let's take it together and let's just pray that god would open the heavens to us hallelujah open it over this church hallelujah Uh, praise the lord i'll invite you up here you can serve yourself today take communion, I just want you to think about, think about all the people around the world today that are trusting in Jesus Christ and think how easy Jesus made it, think how complicated we make it, but Jesus prepared the way, he said, I'm the entire access to heaven you say well what about this and what about that Jesus said I've already provided everything do I need to do this do I need to no just trust me and so uh, how many I'm not just going to pray today that God would open heaven for you that some of God's resources would just begin to pour into your life and you say well Chad I don't deserve it none of us do the Chad I haven't done enough to reach that level and God said no you don't have to reach a level and so sometimes I wonder are we getting the most out of communion are we getting the most out of this relationship with Jesus are we understanding that all of heaven has been open to each person who trusts in Christ and you don't have to be worthy and you don't have to be the best and you don't have to be the most accomplished and you don't have to do all the right things because He did all the right things. And so I just want to challenge you today, church. This is a different message. I didn't really even want notes today. I just seen a picture of heaven open. And my prayer today is what would it be like if every believer had heaven just open? When they opened the Word, they could just see God's angels descending and ascending with each word, with each promise, with each word of comfort which each thing that god speaks it's just being hand delivered to your heart and church i want you to really try this week to put all your sins aside put all the condemnation aside put all the complicated things aside and just say lord give me all you have open up heaven in my life lord i love you and uh church you can have an open heaven in your car driving to work You can have an open heaven in your living room you can have an open heaven all those hours you're laying on your bed worried or all those hours you're on your phone (laughs) how many know God can open up heaven and just begin to minister it says when Jesus went in the wilderness the angels ministered to him boy I would like one of those ministry sessions hallelujah hallelujah it says for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Let's pray over the bread. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, you have done so much for us, and you just ask us to walk in it, Lord. Lord, today we bless this bread, Lord. We take it in remembrance of you, Lord. I pray that the heavens would be open. Oh, Lord, that they would find the bread of life, Lord God, that just, uh, Lord, that is um, directly from your throne, Lord God. Food for a soul. Bless them today, Lord God, as they partake of it, Lord. In your name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. same way after supper he took the cup saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes hallelujah let's bless it heavenly father lord let us drink lord of the fullness of your cup, Lord God, that you would, um, Lord, everything that entails, all the blessings, all the promises, Lord, an open heaven, Lord God, over every life, not because of what we've done, Lord, but we are proclaiming, Lord God, your death until you return for us, Lord God. We can drink it with you, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless it now, Lord, in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody said... worship, and I just want to encourage you as we come in here every week. I don't know what's comfortable for you in worship. I may know some stand, some sit, some lay on the floor, but let me know it's very important to just allow heaven to open over us. I don't want you in here fighting condemnation that Christ died for. I don't want you in here thinking about all the things you brought with you. I just want you to say, Lord, open up heaven and just just begin to love God when you're in here. And when you're studying the Word, the same thing. I want you to say, God, just open heaven over this Word. Speak to me. Love me. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would, um, Lord, allow us to live in an open heaven where God word is ministering to us, Lord, your spirit is doing a mighty work in us, Lord God, that we uh, experience more than the world around us, Lord God, let us touch heaven, Lord, let us live in the uh, revelation of who you are, Lord, let us uh, allow your word just to permeate our hearts and uh, change the way we live every day, Lord. Bless your people as they go, Lord. In Your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Everybody said.